the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. George Brockler, back with you here. We're halfway through the Friday show. Congrats, folks. You are only a couple hours away, I am at least, for heading into that stretch into the weekend before I join you again for 710's live and local Monday through Friday offerings next Monday at 6 o'clock. Now, over the weekend, you know, We've got some great folks that come on board here. Jimmy Sangenberger, Randy Corcoran, Dr. Dunn, and a guy named Pete Boyles uh, filling out the morning uh, in the on Saturday and I think even on Sunday. Great local programming. we got to keep that stuff going. So tune in and listen to those gentlemen. Now, uh, a couple things I wanted to talk about here. I did ask for your feedback and your impressions on the outcome of the straw poll there. I just thought it was telling. Uh, This was from the big to-do last night up at Fort Lupton, hosted by the Women of Weld and the Lincoln Club of Colorado. I want to tell you uh, my impression or assessment of this straw poll vote. It's not, it's not, I don't want to say it's not relevant. It's not as impactful as you think it might be. And here's why. If you consider that there were 12 candidates that were on the stage at one point or another, 12 candidates. There were 30 members of the press. It was widely attended. It was broadcast. I saw Marshall Zelliger there. I saw the Shaw Turner from Fox 31, a bunch of big names. I think the Post, the Gazette, they're all represented there. So 30 members of that. And if you consider that each of the 12 candidates brought at least one supporter, many of them more than that, uh, to this thing. And by the way, I left out the four moderators, Jesse and Kelly and me and Ernest. Um, you don't have a lot of votes that aren't already committed in one race or the other. Does that make sense? Like you had some people who are just good Republicans. And you know who I, I saw up there that you know, I was so pleased to see her was Bev McAdams, who was there. Um, she and her husband, Tom, have been, I mean, so great. I didn't realize this until I talked to her. Married for 56 years, like in a row. Are you kidding me? That's just magical. I mean, that is just, that's a huge blessing. But I got to see Bev up there. She was our timekeeper, did a great job for the Lincoln Club of Colorado. Uh, and But most of the people there were already spoken for. Do you know what I mean? Like they already had their favorite. They were already there for someone. So, Lauren had a pretty huge contingent there, a pretty big contingent of, of people that were there, and still ended up fifth. But here's the other thing. That particular event with the attendees that are there, it's a small group that is not what I would call a microcosm of the party. This is kind of like the hardest core of the hardcore grassroots that go to things like this. If they're not already invested in a campaign, which makes them different than other people, they're definitely invested in either the women of Weld, the Republican Party itself, or something like that. So the outcome of this straw poll has some value because you get earned media from it, and you get bragging rights. Like if you're Jerry Sonnenberg, you get to the, go to the next event and say, hey, I was so honored to have received the most votes at the straw poll out at the women of Weld event in Fort Lupton. I mean, that's pretty cool. 
And if your other's down that list, you're gauging, you know, if you're if you're Mike Lynch, you're like, I was only a couple of votes away from being the guy that won this thing after the worst week in politics you can imagine having. So maybe I keep playing on, you know, Richard Holtorf has some traction there as well. Deb Flora can be very proud of that. But when you look at who attended and the votes that were already committed, who are you playing for? It's it's not an uncommitted audience. And while it matters for purposes of discussion, and I do think, you know, if you're Lauren Boebert's campaign, you look at this and say, this isn't a good narrative for us. This isn't a good optic for us to finish fifth out of nine, despite our name ID and our war chest. That tells us something. I've had a lot of people say to me, oh, I just don't think she can win. I just don't think she can win. I don't agree with that. It could happen that way. But I don't I don't agree that it's a foregone conclusion. But if you live in CD4, who are you going to vote for? I mean, is Lauren off the table to you? you let, me, let me tell you, there was a, a moment where there was Kelly and Jesse who ran the CD8 race refused to uh, give them the opportunity to ask each other a question, which I get their reasoning for it. They're just wrong. But we did. We had nine, Ernest and I did, let everybody ask one other candidate a question. And, of course, two of the questions came to Lauren. There was a concern at first that it would be like, well, there's going to be eight questions for Lauren, you know, because she moved here and all that other stuff. Um, There were two. One of them was from Deb Flora, and Deb used a quote that Lauren Boebert had given during the time that Carrie Donovan had jumped into CD3. This was a cycle ago. Now, I don't know if you remember this. Carrie Donovan, she didn't live in CD3. And so Lauren had a pretty strong quote about maybe she ought to focus on where she lives instead of trying this political opportunism thing and all that. Well, Deb Flora, very politely, if you can say it was politely because it's such a tough question, asked her, how do you defend that quote in the context of what you're doing now? And then there was something that happened in one of the other questions when we were talking about earlier. Remember when we were talking about the arrests? And Lauren said something about Mike Lynch like, hey, I hope you get your gun rights back. I did not take it as aggressive. And maybe she meant it, though. I did not take that as aggressive. But I could tell Lynch did. I could see it on his face. So when he had the opportunity to ask a question, he says, hey, you talked about my gun rights, so I guess I do have a question for you. What's your definition of a carpetbagger? I mean, whoa, that was just a, a gut punch right there. Uh, and Lauren had an answer. I mean, she's going to confront this everywhere she goes, right? She's going to confront this everywhere she goes. And that's why people tell me, I don't think Lauren can win. I don't think Lauren can win. People aren't going to vote for carpetbaggers. But maybe. I mean, I'm not saying it's a lock that she wins, but I know it's not a lock that she loses. And I want you to hear me out on this. The path to the ballot can take a couple different uh, directions here. One is petition on. An unlimited number of people can petition onto the ballot. The assembly. The assembly requires you to go and obtain at least 30% of the vote of the voting members that are there to make it onto the ballot. If you get less than 30, you're out unless you've already petitioned. Then your threshold is 10%. Then you only need 10% to be on the ballot. Well, you can do the math. Not everybody is going to go through the assembly because they can do the math and see that there's no more than three people that can escape the assembly on a straight-up 30% analysis. Only three can. 
That's a huge risk, man. We saw people that we know bank on those numbers at the state assembly for the U.S. Senate. One of them was Deb Flora, and she came within whisker of getting on the ballot, but she never made it because she didn't do the petition thing. We saw Gino Campana, another great dude, great Republican, same thing. He went straight assembly, didn't back it up with the petition, and he got close but just not close enough. The campaign's over. Bye now. Thank you. So I don't think those folks are going to make I don't know that too many people are going to make that mistake anymore. Unless you only have two people in your race. It's a risk to just show up at the assembly. Hard to keep somebody in a two-person race below 30%. Almost impossible to keep them below 10%. And that's why I tell you, if you had a bunch of candidates do the hybrid, which is to petition and then go to the assembly, you can do the math. Ten people mathematically, but most likely less than that, ten people could mathematically escape the assembly and make it onto the ballot because of that 10% thing. And that's exclusive of anybody who just petitioned on. So every person on that stage, every person that's going to be on that primary ballot helps Lauren Boebert. Now, if you think it's universal that Republicans everywhere are like, well, carpetbagger, and I, I don't like the controversy. No, that's not how it works. Name ID is the name of the game for a whole bunch of votes out there. And it's not the people that are showing up to these forums. It's the people who get ballots in the mail. You combine that with a huge war chest that's going to allow her to crush people with digital media and the geofenced messages and the mailers and the maybe even a door knocking campaign. I mean, she has the funds to do stuff like that. Well, you can do the math, folks. If, if she she's running against two, three, four other people, you don't have to get 50% of the vote. You just have to get a plurality, which means the most out of that group. So she could end up getting elected to represent CD4 with 25% of the vote, 30% of the vote. That's real. That could happen. Now, that's the reason, by the way, that Kent Theory, who was on the show, was it this week? Maybe the 22nd, 23rd. So this week, when Kent Theory was on, and he talked about the ballot initiatives that um, he's sponsoring, he's leading, sponsoring's too strong, that he's funding and supporting, that would keep that from happening because there would have to be some type of a primary. And that primary, someone would have to get 50%. Now, I advocate for the idea that top two vote getters go to a two-person runoff because then one of you has to get 50. He wants to do ranked choice voting. So the top four move on to that. And then you do that complicated, uh, tough for some voters to figure out ranked choice voting. And one of them is going to get over 50% that way. So nothing like this could happen. But for right now, it's real. So for those who are like, oh, no, Lauren Boebert only took fifth at this particular event, I just don't think that's dispositive of what happens in this race. I just don't think that's the end. In fact, if you're Lauren Boebert, you probably say, yeah, I wish we'd have done better. It would have been super cool to end up number one or number two. But uh, we ain't nine. If there's a lot of disdain for Lauren that didn't show up in that vote, we're not number nine. And you know what? This is one event in a many months long process. And one thing she's got is a platform. She's got over a million, I think, Twitter followers. And she's got endurance. I mean, she may be a grandmother, but she's, I don't know how old she is, in her 30s or something like that. She's got the ability to keep moving forward. So if I'm her, my takeaway is, yeah, I'm disappointed, but so what? Let's keep moving forward. 
I still got to bring my message to these people and get a chance to win their vote. On the other hand, the response from that crowd, pretty tepid towards her. Not enthusiastic, not how I saw her when she was on the campaign trail in 20 and 22. And the response was better for the local guys and gals. So very interesting the way that turns out. Now, the the crime thing was real. And I want to talk to you about that as well, because there's a a couple things that um, that the legislature is doing out there right now uh, that I wanted to tell you about. But yesterday I ended up getting a text from uh, a guy who's in the know on the things going on in the legislature. The bills that I talked about and I can't remember how much detail I went into with you, but I'll tell you some of the gong show things that are going on in the legislature right now. Because I wrote a column on it, and it's just in less than less than twenty days have gone by, right? Like since we started, we're about at that twenty day mark. There's still a hundred days of damage that could be done. A hundred days. This is just the stuff that we've had in like the first three weeks of this session. And I said, this is a sentence from it: The Democrat-controlled General Assembly has already revealed its theme for criminal justice reform. And that theme is bonkers. I mean, it's nuts. Do you remember when we talked about the fact that there was this proposed piece of legislation that was going to allow kids uh, like me and Billy to create mischief in schools by demanding that teachers, faculty, yearbooks, all this stuff bear the name that we tell them for any reason or no reason at all? No limits on the number of changes. No explanation as to the reason why has to be given that you were just going to be able to change your name. Well, you would have thought. You can't make anything dumber than that. Well, and then enter Lorena Garcia. She's a Democrat representative in Colorado, and she just said, hold my Bud Light, because she has a proposed bill. It's HB, and you can look this up, HB 1071, and it seeks to change the law regarding name changes for convicted felons. Now, right now, it is incredibly difficult, near impossible to change your name if you're a convicted felon. You have to go to court and you have to show good cause for it. And you can imagine the reason for this is we don't want people to run away from their past nefarious conduct, especially if it resulted in a conviction by virtue of a jury or you admitting it. It's very hard for convicted felons to change their name. Enter Lorena Garcia. She is now proposed a bill that would create an exception some a special good cause finding for convicted felons who need to change their names who want to change their names to conform with their gender identity no joke no joke so if you're a and this is how i called it in the article if you're a cis felon like you're just you're one of those people who's pretty content with the gender you were born and identified with you're stuck Right. You're still going to be Charles Manson. But if Charles Manson wants to change his gender identity and become, I don't know, Susan Sparkles or something. That's going to happen. That's going to happen if this law passes. What are we doing? What in the hell are we doing? Why would we carve out a special exception for this group? It seems to me when you commit a felony, the name you had when you committed it, that ought to be the one you keep, right? 
We're not saying you have to keep the gender you were when you committed the felony, but the name you got to keep. That one, that's important for the public to be able to look up, access, and to know who you are and what you've done. Now, whether or not they should hold it against you forever, that's a completely different conversation. But this is one of the bills that they've offered. Here's another one. House Bill 6. House Bill 6 is crazy, and that's a bit ironic because it's about mental health. House Bill 6, all Dems, of course, and and I'll talk to you about the the attempt to redefine recidivism here later on. House Bill 6 seeks to make it easier for people who are incompetent, legally incompetent, to enter into contracts with the DA's office called diversion contracts in order to be diverted out of the criminal justice system. And let me just sound out how, how ridiculous this is. If you are incompetent, you do not know what's going on in court. You don't understand the procedure. You don't understand the charges against you. You can't meaningfully participate with your attorney. And in fact, in most cases, although we've changed it a bit over the years, you would be sent to a place where you can be restored to competency before the case is allowed to proceed against you. Well, House Bill 6 is an attempt to say, even if you're legally incompetent, district attorneys cannot use that excuse as a reason to exclude you from diversion. Now, understand diversion, which is a great program to keep people out of the criminal justice system or to at least divert them from the formality of going through sentencing and all that other stuff. It's predicated on being able to take accountability for your conduct. Like you can't say, I didn't do anything wrong. I'd love to go to diversion. You got to own it. You got to eat your conduct and show remorse and show the potential potential for rehabilitation and also sign a contract that acknowledges if I fail here, it could even be diversion through a deferred judgment. If I fail here, there could be heavy consequences for me. Enter the Democrats to say, even if you have gone to court to avoid responsibility by claiming, I don't understand the process, you should still be given the opportunity to go through diversion. (laughs) I don't where you have to take accountability for what you do. You can't make this stuff up, folks. These people are dim. But it may be less than that. It may not be because they're dim. It may be because they know it doesn't matter what we think. Republicans are in such a deficit in the in the General Assembly, both the Senate and the House. It doesn't matter. You can run gong show bills like this because who can oppose you? Nobody. This is what's going on in our General Assembly. They're they're going to allow people who don't understand what's going on in court to enter into contracts that ostensibly divert them out of the court system because they're going to take responsibility for their conduct (laughs) and they're capable of rehabilitation. Now, I had the pleasure, the pleasure and the honor of appearing on Colorado Inside Out um, yesterday for the taping. It'll air today. Great show. I love it. Kyle Dyer is one of the most genuine, nice people you're ever going to see, ever going to meet. And it was a great panel. Of course, there's Patty Calhoun. We love Patty. Nobody knows Denver like Patty Calhoun. That's just the bottom line. There was also um, a, a, an attorney, a civil rights attorney that was on there. There was Jesse Paul. There was me. And it was Tyrone Glover, uh, who was the civil rights attorney. And I had made some similar comments to that about this incompetency bill. And 
you know, Tyrone gave a very thoughtful response in the way that was, listen, the way the courts deal with people with mental illness is broken. And uh, it's got too many people in it. And by the way, that's true for one big reason. Public defenders and defense attorneys have figured out they can clog up the system and slow the process and make it hard on prosecutors by claiming incompetence and insanity, even when it's not legit. Okay. so and by the way, if you're a defense attorney out there, I've been you. So what I'm saying here is not meant to be a personal attack, but defense attorneys don't care about the truth. That's not their game. That's not their job. That's not their charge. In fact, if they go into court looking for the truth, they're probably ineffective for their client. So they use this as a tool. So the system is certainly clogged up. Now, I'm also going to admit to you that I think that a lot of the mental health issues that we're seeing in court are exacerbated by the drugs and the availability of drugs that are out there, specifically uh, psychosis causing you know, marijuana. I mean, that's what I think is going on. So he says, listen, we just don't have the resources. This is an opportunity to try to get some people out of the system and to try to get them help. And I'm like, wait a minute, wait a minute. I think what I said ultimately was you don't fix a broken leg with a brand new shoe. And that's sort of what we're doing here. We're trying to figure out a way to fix a system without ever addressing the real problem. And the real problem is it's underfunded. We just don't have enough funding for for mental health. So, you know. This House Bill 6 thing is just, once again, it's the Democrats out there. They're the good idea fairies. They just, you know, we know all sorts of cool stuff. We're just going to change the rules. There's a bill out there. There's three bills that um, Senator Julie Gonzalez, she insists on going by Senadora Julie Gonzalez, um, big-time proponent of blowing up the criminal justice system, very offender-centric, very offender-centric. And she's always in the criminal justice realm. She's on the Senate Judiciary Committee. She's got a series of bills, one of which is there's a bunch of things like let's study how efficient the criminal justice system is. And let's study this. All of these things are trying to set up the system for a major overhaul in the next session so they can go. We studied it. And what we found is prison doesn't work. Hugs and kittens and three thousand dollars outside of prison. That's what works. You know, that kind of stuff. But the, one of the bills is to redefine what recidivism means. <laughs> because apparently the idea that if you reoffend while you're out on parole or probation, that's just too restrictive. That's not real recidivism. So they're going to redefine what recidivism means so that we can look back and go, wow, we're actually doing a lot better with our criminal justice system. It's like redefining what cancer is. We're no longer going to count tumors as cancer. We're going to count them as something else. This is what the Dems are doing under the gold dome right now uh, now listen i got more that i want to talk to you about that i also want to tell you about a criminal case out there that's pretty interesting and some questions that have come up about how you're going to prove somebody's guilt it was a dude on a motorcycle but before i do that i want to tell you about gay ribble with the empower home team of keller williams you've heard me talk about and with gay many times on this station and here's the bottom line we are about to hit the spring and by about i mean you're a couple months away right i mean you look at the weather out there we're hitting 60s Coming up Sunday, Monday, when this thing uh, warms up and we get closer to the end of the school year and the mortgage rates start coming down because the Fed starts doing its thing, you're going to see a feeding frenzy on homes. And those homes are that the prices of those homes are going to skyrocket. And according to Gay, you're going to end up losing more than striking now because the price increase is going to dwarf the savings that you get from the lower mortgage rates. 
Not every realtor, realtor will tell you that. She will. So my advice is pick up the phone and call them. 833-301-SOLD. 833-301-SOLD. SOLD. You can check them out at sellwithcertaintycolorado.com. Sellwithcertaintycolorado.com. But there's a reason they sell for more money than other realtors. There's a reason they sell more quickly. There's a reason they have more clients over the years. They know the metro area. That doesn't happen by accident. It doesn't happen because you advertise in the in the local paper. It happens because you do such great work for your clients. They tell everybody they know, oh, you're looking to sell your house. You got to call gay. And that's why I'm asking you to do that. Check them out at Sell With Certainty Colorado. That's Sell With Certainty Colorado. When we come back, your text, more of this discussion on the criminal justice stuff. It's George Brockler, 710 KNUS. George Brockler, 710 KNUS, back with you here in hour three of four, talking to you about the bonkers dumpster fire-like approach to the criminal justice reform that's taken place. Listen, I'll have more on some of the stuff that's coming up next week. I keep getting these bill drafts that are sent to me, some of the ones that have already been introduced. Folks, I don't know. Look, elections have consequences, but nobody advertises these. Do you know what I mean? Nobody comes out and says, if you elect me, I'm going to make some of the dumbest bills you can possibly imagine. If they did that, instead of just running on, I'll protect your ability to abort a baby sometime in sixth grade. You know, any time before they they hit 13, um, we'd have a different outcome, I think, because these bills, if you ran on these bills, nobody would vote for you. No, well, Denver and Boulder would vote for you, and that's about it. Now, hear this. There's another bill out there, Senate Bill 3. This is um, another blame the guns kind of a bill. And it's sponsored by State Senator Tom Sullivan. And listen, I have a great deal of respect for Tom. Tom and I used to be a lot closer before I, long story to it, ended up endorsing Jack Tate in a race against Tom Sullivan back in the day. And I think it really pissed off Tom, and we've just never really recovered. But I have a great deal of respect for Tom. His son was uh, murdered in the theater, and he has a passion to keep other parents from ever having to endure what he endured. And I respect that. I do. Now, I completely disagree with his approach. It's a very anti-Second Amendment approach. It's a very blame-the-guns approach. And um, and I just think it's wrong for Colorado. But what I think doesn't matter, and frankly what you think doesn't matter, because as long as these folks keep getting elected into office to control the legislature and the governor and the AG and all the rest, kind of doesn't matter. But this bill is scary. It may not be intentionally scary. He may have some other innocuous reason, but let me read to you what Senate Bill 3 tries to do. If you're a Second Amendment person, pay attention. This one's this one is interesting. This bill would provide an extra one about 1.7 million dollars in taxpayer money to the Colorado Bureau of Investigation. Now let's be clear, the Colorado Bureau of Investigation has very few original investigations when it comes to local crime. They're there to augment. They're there to provide services maybe that others can't. If you're a rural jurisdiction, CBI can play a very, very important role. They've got some experienced investigators, but not like you have in the, in the metro area with, you know, the Auroras and the Denvers and, 
you know, even to a lesser extent, the the sheriff's offices in the metro area, some of those folks have tons of experience investigating crime. And so, you know, CBI has a different role in the metro area than it does in the rurals. But this $1.7 million is for CBI to beef up with 10, over 10, new full-time employees. Why? To enforce brand new authority that this bill would give them. And this is how the authority reads. To investigate illegal activity involving firearms statewide. Now it says including things like gun trafficking and all that. But that is such broad language. Think about what crimes are covered by investigate illegal activity involving firearms statewide. Illegal activity involving firearms? That could be Mike Lynch's case, right? I mean, that's a drunk with a gun charge. That's prohibited use of a weapon. It's a misdemeanor, but that's illegal activity with a firearm. How about drug dealers who are armed? And by the way, Thanks to Phil Weiser and Jared Polis, even if you're a convicted drug dealer, you can still possess firearms in the state of Colorado under state law. That's true. But let's say it's somebody that uses a gun in the commission of um, a kidnapping, a rape, an armed robbery, a home invasion burglary. They shoot at somebody. They shoot into a crowd. The Aurora Theater Massacre, STEM, those are all illegal activities involving firearms. And now there's a 10-person unit stood up in in CBI to go investigate this? I don't think so. No, thank you. Don't need you for that. Don't want you for that. But now I want you to think on the smaller scale. These 10 roving, augmenting CBI employees. Imagine what mischief they can create under the leadership of a Democrat. And currently they're under the leadership of a public safety um, director who's appointed by the governor. Governor doesn't love guns. Governor wants to hold himself out as a libertarian. And he's certainly better on this issue than the General Assembly and better than Phil Weiser, but not by a ton. Imagine what this kind of police, this gun police force within the CBI could do roaming around the state. Are they going to start to target gun dealers? Are they going to start to show up and hang around the Tanner gun show looking to pinch every violation? I'm sorry, I don't want CBI involved in that. Those good men and women are busy enough. But the idea that we're going to, you've heard the term federalize state crime. We're talking about state-izing, if that's the right word, local crime. If something bad happens at the Tanner Gun Show, that's a local crime. That's not a statewide crime. It could be, in some cases, a federal crime because of the FFLs and all that other stuff. But there's no role for the state to play in there unless invited in by the locals. So here you have this broad, broad language to investigate illegal activity involving firearms. Horrifying. Horrifying if you're someone that thinks that the government is out there looking for ways to limit your ability to exercise your Second Amendment. And I think in Colorado you can look at the legislature and say, I think those are those people. They don't like me having guns. They blame the guns for the problem. So that bill, unless that language is dramatically amended, to limit it to things like gun trafficking and all that other stuff. Who knows where these guys show up, folks? Who knows where they show up?
The next step, by the way, is to empower the attorney general to prosecute these cases as a matter of their original kind of jurisdiction. Right now, as you know, the AG can't just show up and start prosecuting local crime without the invitation and permission of the locally elected district attorney. We want that. You don't want Phil Weiser coming down to Douglas County or Elbert County or El Paso County and uh, deciding what crimes to charge if Michael Allen or John Kellner have reviewed the same cases and said, this is what I think it's worth. And Phil goes, no, I think it's worth a lot more than that. Or you say there's no crime here, and Phil says, oh, no, no, I think there's a crime here. His opinion on crime is irrelevant, wholly irrelevant, and inexperienced and uninformed. But that's what this bill is on the road to doing. Super scary stuff that's going on. And then, of course, you may have heard this one. There's a Senate Bill 12, which is another another Democrat measure, to give $3,000 to people who are paroled or get out of jail. 3000 bucks. you got to be a convicted felon. You can't have been in jail for a year or something like that on a misdemeanor. you got to be in jail for some period of time on a felony or prison on a felony and when you get out they give you three thousand bucks now they're part of the bill says we're going to stand we're going to do some rfp or stand up a group that's going to monitor this and it's going to be paid out over time it's not just three thousand dollars like a a wad of cash but at the same time there ain't going to be short of an ebt card some sort of a food stamps card there's no way to limit or monitor how they spend this money come on come on and so now we're going to give these uh these guys who have mostly guys who have broken our most serious laws, those are called felonies, and we're going to give them 3000 bucks. I know the reasoning. The reasoning is, well, we got to get them to stand up on their feet, and it goes a long way to 3000 bucks. That ain't going to be the difference maker. But it's offensive to those people out there who have kept their nose clean, have never run afoul of the law, certainly haven't been a convicted felon. Where's their 3000 bucks? You know, if you're a property owner, you remember how we're going to see this 25% spike in property taxes because of the increase in assessed values and the absolute deliberate impotence of the General Assembly and the governor to do anything about it after HH got crushed? You fared better under the legislature as a renter than you do as a property owner. You're going to get less relief from the legislature <coughs> than you would get from the government if you were a convicted felon leaving prison. How is that possible? How are we in that place? I'm telling you, folks, it's just elections have consequences. By the way, who else in the media is telling you these things? Nobody. They're too busy trying to pile on Mike Lynch or even pile on me for seemingly not nailing Lynch to a a fence and setting him on fire for what he did. There are more tweets from Nine News about Mike Lynch and even me as the, even the moderator yesterday, than there are about any of these garbage bills. They may have tweeted more about the $3,000 to felons thing, always in a very positive light, but where are these other ones? It's because they don't care. Because this is how they think, too. They just don't care. 303-696-1971. little bit of a uh, criminal justice rant there. You're going to have to forgive me for that. But uh, dang, man, we uh, you would think that in an election year, the Dems would be a little... Uh, softer on their insanity when it comes to criminal justice reform? No chance. Because they have such a dominant position, not a single thing can happen between now and November that's going to change who controls both houses of the legislature. Not a single thing. And they 
know it. There are no statewide candidates on the ballot. Nothing. This is it, folks. And this is in the first three weeks. First three weeks. Can you imagine what's coming for us? Um, Listen, let's cut away for a break. Before I do it, I want to tell you about Brent and Joyce Tolliver. They're that uh, son, mom. I should have said Joyce first. Joyce and Brent, that would have been mom and son team that have put together this business that has just kind of taken over the metro area in this very niche but super cool area of roll them out shelves. Now, if you're buying a new home, they offer you the opportunity for roll uh, rollout shelves, but the expense, if you look at the cost when you do the cabin installation, it's crazy. It's crazy how much they charge you for those things. Well, you don't have to do that when you get your new house. Instead, get your new house, do the cabinets in the basic way, and then call up Brent and Joyce. And do this, too, if you don't have a brand new house. You want roll them out shelves? Call the roll them out shelves people. RollEmOutShelves.com. E-M is, uh, is how they do it. Roll them, E-M, shelves, outshelves.com. Here's the number, too, for your free in-home estimate. And they'll come out and do it, by the way, Brent and Joyce. They did mine. 303-475-9601, 303-475-9601. When you go to a friend's house and they have them, you're like, oh, that's super cool. I've never seen anybody go into cabinets in the house, pull out a shelf and be like, well, this is unfortunate. <laughs> it's always like, dude, this is so cool. I don't have to reach way in the back. I can see everything that's actually in the cabinet. So it doesn't matter. Kitchen, bathroom, laundry room, garage, Finished basement, it doesn't matter. The answer is always going to be roll them out shelves. Call them for the free in-home estimate today. And I'm telling you, the cost savings is redunculous. Give them a call. When we come back, uh, your text, and call us too. I'd love to hear from you on the criminal justice stuff. 303-696-1971. It's George Brockler, 710 KNUS. George Brockler back with you here, 710 KNUS. U.S. in the final segment of this third hour. In the next hour, we're going to do a bunch of things, but we're going to be joined by our good buddies out there at Ultra Botanica. Um, I want to tell you, Rachel, that I apologize for not getting to the call there. I missed it when James put it up on our little thing here. I know you wanted to talk about the Women of Weld, and I'm going to prioritize that. If you went to that Women of Weld Lincoln Club of Colorado forum and you want to have a conversation about that, um, Give us a call, 303-696-1971. I'd love to, or if you watched it online, I don't care. Or if, you, if you've watched it since, I just want to hear your feedback on it. It was a big deal. It was kind of a big kickoff thing for this very intense race for CD8 and CD4. So, Rachel, forgive me. Call back in. If it's not by the end of this hour, wait until we get done with the Ultra Britannica, folks, and we can come back and do it then. Um, listen, uh, there's a lot of text in here. Yikes. And I'm going to read them in no particular order. They cut seniors in Colorado's benefits off. That's true. A friend of mine, George, that works for the Department of Human Services, told me that they stopped or cut off all of their meals on wheels and assisted help with the food stamps program and heat and energy to give to the illegals. Good Lord. Um, Here's another one. It's a series. You said you were going back to our debate enough because... This bothers me. I ask, I'm dumbstruck that you now have to be arrested in order to get a pause with Republicans. Your reaction. And that the horrid behavior Lynch garnered him second place. What happened to your party? Another text. 
buddy of mine works for DOC. He said the legislature wants Colorado to reduce the prison population. How, I asked? He said we will just release them on the streets. <laughs> DOC closed a small minimum security jail, and DOC also wants $1.3 billion, and the legislature doesn't want to give them money. Also, we're hiring 18-year-olds for prison guards. The Colorado GOP will still find a way to lose. Well, that's depressing. That is That breaks my heart right there. Here's something that's not depressing, and the fact that if you're a person suffering with low testosterone, and I should correct that, if you're a man suffering with low testosterone, uh, and you've heard these ads before, they talk about it in terms of the ED, the erectile dysfunction and all that other stuff. Yeah, that's a, that's a big part of it too, but there's more to it than that. When you have low testosterone, you don't sleep as well. You don't have that same spring in your step. You're not as excited about working out, and when you do, you don't get the same results. And this isn't anyone's fault. It's just what nature does. It's just what your body goes through. And so you can either just live with it and move on to that special sunset portion of your life, or you can take control of things and call our friends at Rocky Mountain Men's Clinic at 720-440-7900, 720-440-7900, or visit them at RockyMountainMensClinic.com, RockyMountainMensClinic.com. 99 bucks is the medical consult, but here's the deal. If you do the medical consult and you decide, you know what, I want to give this a shot, man. I want to change my life for the better. I want to get back to feeling like me again. They just roll it into the cost of the treatment, and you end up having a free consult. So many dudes have done this. They just don't advertise like, hey, I've done this. But I'm telling you, you ask around with your friends. You're going to find, oh, yeah, yeah, Ed did. Our neighbor did. I did. That's what I've found. Check them out at RockyMountainMensClinic.com. Here's another text. A homeless problem taking toll on businesses. Covered this on Monday. This is our friend Lex. I could look at that. Someone who thinks that the Susan Sparkles thing is funny. I do too. I just don't see any of the women in Douglas County voting for Lauren, especially after the theater incident. That's going to stick in their minds a lot more than you might think. Could be. It really could be. I'm not saying it's a lock. I'm just saying given the way voting occurs and the, the impact of name ID on a giant jurisdiction, I still think unless it's mano a mano, Lauren Boebert stands a pretty good chance of getting elected. Phenomenal job last night, GB. You and Ernest were a great team. Hey, thank you for that. That makes me feel really good. Eric, okay, George, my brother, since no one asked the question if President Trump endorsed endorsed Lauren Boebert with that booster. I think she is going to be endorsed, by the way. Listen, let's do this. We're going to cut away for a break. We're at the end of that third hour. When we come back, we're going to do some stuff with our good friends at Ultra Botanica. I love these guys. Stick around for that, and then we'll get back to your calls, your texts. George Brocker, 710 KNUS. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com. <laughs> 